Welcome back to Chatterbox Reds. Probably sponsored by DSC Commodities. As we have a somewhat of an emergency show as the Reds agree to a contract with Brent Suter. We'll get into that. I brought in my pal Clay Snowden to break down the news of, of Suter. And then we got some other additional Reds news. Clay, how we doing? I'm doing all right. I'm actually excited about the signing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of surprising. It, it felt like Clay, the Reds were were done. That's at least kind of the vibe that I got, especially like with the the Buck Farmer signing. I thought that that was the last reliever. It felt like it felt like that at the time. But um, the Reds uh, agreed to a deal today. It feels like the five players agreeing to contracts to avoid arbitration and the signing happening on the same day might have had something to do with each other uh, where the Reds kind of felt like they had their their budget uh, in, in a a more um, where they they knew kind of what they were they were spending. They had a little extra, and Suter made sense. He wanted to come here clearly, being a guy that went to Moeller High School. So, uh, do you kind of think that that the 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 coincidence of these two things happening on the same day, or are just that, or I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily. You know, the left-handed reliever market always moves slowly. Those guys typically sign later. Um, you know, you will get some off the board earlier, but like the majority of them are kind of, you know, later in the year, um, that lining up with kind of understanding where you will be financially with arbitration does not seem like a coincidence to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So let's talk a little bit about your newest Cincinnati red Brent Suter. Um, he's had a, a solid career. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, over the last, uh, five seasons at an ERA below 3.78. Um, I, I know some of the, the more advanced stuff like stuff plus doesn't love him. Obviously a guy that, that, that doesn't strike out a lot of batters that has a fast pull of 87 miles an hour. Is not going to necessarily get uh, everybody excited, but this guy's been effective for a long time, Clay. Yeah, and to me, it's, you know, st Stuff Plus and those models are not perfect because there's going to be outliers and funky things that happen that um, players who are good will squeeze through. And this is a player who I've been wanting on the Reds for a while now. And you notice lefty bullpen, you think, okay, this guy's just going to come in on occasion and get a lefty out. No, like Brent Suter can go two innings for you. I think he went two innings, I don't know, may maybe eight or ten times last year. I felt like he was able to go multiple innings he can get righties out what i don't understand like i get like the past doesn't always predict the future but in terms of just bullpen guys it's usually kind of up and down and shaky brent suter's been rock rock solid and if you told me hey we got this guy with a you know three five or under era pretty much his entire career as a bullpen guy coming to cincinnati on an inexpensive deal i'd say great well your next question would be, okay, well, how does Great American Ballpark affect his ERA and other, you know, statistics? Well, it probably won't because he pitches to really soft contact. Um, what is it like the best in the league? I think it was. Yeah. Eight, 84 miles per hour is that average exit velocity. And he actually last year had, I don't know, 200 uh, batted balls and only, I think 32 of them were over a hundred miles an hour. Uh, only surrendered three home runs. Ground ball pitcher. He had more 
batted balls under 65 miles an hour than over 100 miles an hour. So induces soft contact, ground ball pitcher. He's not going to strike everybody out. He's not some you know sexy name with the 98 to 100 mile per hour fastball, but he is as solid as it gets. And honestly, like one of the more exciting pickups in my mind, I know it sounds crazy, but like I'm really fired up about this one. Well, one of the moves that maybe makes more sense, like like makes the most yeah. sense out of out of out of some of the moves, and I think like the Nick Martinez one, that's the one I really really like that really fits what the Reds need. But uh, you know, for for two and a half million dollars, um, like even if this doesn't work out, like so what? It's two and a half million dollars for a guy that's had five straight uh, successful season. That that's a legitimate major league arm, even if he regresses some. He's still like, like his ERA could go up a full, like half run, three quarters of a run. And he's still an above average major league reliever that you're only paying two and a half million for. Um, That's why I just, I I love that they're, you know, they're every, it feels like every penny they had on that budget, they're using towards this team. And uh, they're just giving this team a lot more options to where if you get into spring training and there's a bunch of injuries, you're you're really protected at this point. Yeah, and and Craig made a point in the chat. It's seven outings of two or more, uh, or of two inning ball from last year. What I noticed with a move like this, Nick, is they could have brought in a couple minor league free agents, you know, three or four guys for that money, and just kind of rode it out. Kind of like I said last time I was on, I thought they'd bring in three guys with some experience who are lefties, and we'll just kind of see what happens. What other move here that, that that needs to be noted is the Reds are going to be willing to cut money like from yeah. the books like they did with Will Myers. Like if you, you, you talked about Buck Farmer, oh, well, they brought him in. They gave him two million or I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. OK, well, what's the difference between the league minimum and that contract? That's really the premium that they're paying in order to bring in a guy that they're already familiar with, a guy that they know has a baseline, here's the floor. So to me, it's kind of a more of an expensive move, but not in a bad way, that Alex Young, they just brought back, they could have easily just left him out to dry, no no contract, not tendered him one. He comes back for over a million. So now you have a few guys in the mix here. And at the end of spring, not everyone will be healthy, but if they are, you're going to be cutting money and that's okay. Like that's what good teams do. They bring in depth. It's going to cost $2 million. And if you have to bite the bullet at the end of spring because of it, so be it. So be it because it doesn't matter. That's just the cost of making a good team and good roster construction. Yeah. And I, I wonder, you know, to how, if Suter did give the Reds a little bit of maybe a discount here as well. Um, just because he is a local guy, seems like he's really excited to be here, grew up a Reds fan, you know, all those kind of cool little extra stuff. Um, so he'll obviously be really, you know, fun to root for. Um, but you know, if his market was, you know, not great and he's like, yeah, I can hold out for a little bit more, but you know what? Hey, I got a chance to, to, to come, you know, pitch for the, the, the city I grew up in, um, at, at a time when the Reds are really exciting. This is a fun group to join on, you know, why not, why not, you know, take this shot here? Um, I- but Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm wanting to double check this before I say anything here, but um, the club option as well is three and a half million with a 500 buyout. That is like my 
favorite thing with relief pitchers. Give them the one year with the club option. I'd rather, even if it costs a premium, a little bit more for the club option, I will do it. Because if things go south, it doesn't look right. He's 35 years old. Like, all right, we'll take the 500K buyout. But if things go right, you get that club option instead of being automatically locked into a two-year deal, um, especially with relief pitchers. But I do think he probably took a discount. I mean, you look around the league, you see plenty of guys with his track record who are lefties getting $4 million. Um, but the other thing is, like, he's awesome. Like, if if you just go on YouTube and look him up, like, he has all of these, like, mic'd up type scenarios, right, where he has a microphone on. And he's hilarious. He's just, like, every single person on the team gravitates towards him. He cracks all these jokes during stretching. Like, he just seems like the type of guy you want in a clubhouse. And that may not seem significant. And it, a lot of people think that gets overblown. When you spend 180-some-odd days with these guys, it's nice if a couple of them can make you laugh. It's nice if a couple of them are, you know, just good guys to be around. So I love that aspect of it as well. Yeah, and before we kind of look at a little bit more of um, of the depth, I did want to get to, we got a super chat. Appreciate you, Mr. Juan. Um, how is Pagan worth $9 million and Suter 3 I think Pagan might have been 8 but I, I understand the question completely. Um, I mean, it's just as simple as I think Pagan has a much higher ceiling um, you know, a guy that can can throw upwards of near 100. Um, you know, Pagan could be a legitimate closer. I don't think anyone's expecting Brent Suter to come in and be a dominant closer if if things go well with him and and his pitches and all those kind of things. Um, but the 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 floor might be actually higher for Suter than Pagan. Is that crazy? Um, no, I think the floor is higher. I mean, if you just look at the track record over the past few years, it wasn't that long ago that Pagan was like fans were wanting to DFA him from like the Padres and stuff like he's had some ups and downs too. Um, I really think it just comes down to like a lot of lefties, even though he's not like a lefty specialist, like a lot of lefties end up making a little bit less. That's just how it is. And I don't know why I, I may be completely wrong with that, but just going off of memory of how it feels like, unless you're a dominant lefty, you know, if you're kind of one of these vet guys who comes in for a few million, like it seems like the lefties always make a little bit less for whatever reason. Um, I would love to know stats on that. But either way, like this bullpen has improved. It's improved since last year. They did not lose anybody of like huge significance on this roster overall, in my opinion. Like Derek this, Law this, was the best reliever that we lost. Yeah, and like I like Derek Law. Okay. Like, is Derek Law making this team? Like, maybe so, maybe not. Like, he's probably on that other pitchers list I'd probably, that you have there. I'd probably have him, like, fifth on that list, right? Yeah. And, and, like, this guy was pitched at the back end of games. It did a great job. Don't get me wrong. All the credit in the world to Derek Law for what he did for the Reds last year. But, yeah, I mean, that's just, just how much deeper you know, this team is. And, Clay, I, I'm looking – I wanted to look at early in the season last year because, like, like reliever innings pitch – late in the season can be so inflated. Like I'd be like, Oh, well the Reds had to have this guy pitching, you know, Margot pitching. So like that kind of stuff happens to every team, but just looking at the first half in the first half of the season last year, the Reds gave 22 innings of relief to Kevin Hergett, 14 yeah. to Reaver San Martin, 12 and a third to Eduardo Salazar, 11 and two thirds 
to Casey Legamina, who we now is, you know, completely triple A depth at this point. Um, so like just being the fact that you're you're so far protected and hopefully you don't need to use that protection. Hopefully that that uh that that triple A roster is just absolutely lights out from the pitching standpoint uh when they have their opening day in April. Yeah, absolutely. And you have an another thing about this, and like I'm not predicting this, but I'm just saying it's possible. Like a guy without options like Buck Farmer, like it is possible for them to say, okay, well, we're just going to DFA and hope to get him through waivers. Like it's not impossible to think that that's the case if others are pitching better. Um, now, of course, you know, health will all come down to it one, once we cross that bridge. But this is a really good baseball team. I mean, I, I know that me and you are typically more optimistic than others, but like, where do you look on this roster and say there's this huge glaring hole of cross our fingers and see what happens? I mean, what? Like, I, I know we had tweeted about it, but like Stuart Fairchild, is that the weakest link? Like, okay, a backup outfielder who's like, like that, that's not a huge deal. The Dodgers had that issue going into last year too. Like the Braves didn't have a left fielder. Like this is not uncommon to have a hole. I just love where the team's at right now. Yeah, I mean, the team might not have uh, a ton of bona fide superstars yet. Like, I am a big believer that Hunter Green's going to be that next superstar pitcher. I'm a big believer that LED of the Cruz is going to be that superstar hitter. Um, they're not there yet. And, and I think it's fair to say this team doesn't have, you know, those guys, but there's no holes anywhere, you know, on, on the entire roster. Um, and yeah, I mean, even if the outfield, like, even if like, uh, you know, Benson and Fairchild both are just really bad early in the year. Like you still have like the, this Blake Dunn and Jacob Hurtaby guys that were incredible in the minor leagues that are kind of forcing their way up to the top right now. So even the, the, the spot that may not have the most depth, you also have probably your two most ready position players in the minor leagues play the outfield. And I want to touch on that briefly. Cause when I was talking about Stuart Fairchild, I know you like him. I just, think he's totally re replaceable and it's because of where the Reds roster is now they are in a playoff contender like I treat the Reds roster mentally as this team's in the playoffs that's a place you can upgrade the Reds have not hit their like quote-unquote cap of spending like I think that they could upgrade it they have plenty to trade from as well like that's why I'm focusing there could Blake Dunn be the replacement yes do I want the fallback option and the only one to be a 15th round draft pick rookie? No, I think he's good. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. I don't want to be an injury away from him having to save the day. Reese Hines on the 40 man, 35% strikeout rate. Like I'm still pumping, pumping the brakes, even though he had a 2020 season and broke out in a big way in double a Jacob heard of Holy crap is, um, his swing, I mean, he was really good last year. I, I just, I, I struggled to, to find it with his swing. But um, at the end of the day, like, I don't want to rely on rookies as much this year as I was, as I was willing to last year. You have assets, you have money that you can add, at least bring in guys who can compete. I mentioned Jordan Lupo as like a minor league free agent invite. I mentioned Kevin Garlick, like, Guys who have played in the majors, now they have their flaws too. There's a reason why they're available. Um, 
but I, I just want to see something else there. And I noticed that some people are saying Barrero. Um, I, I, I personally just don't want to do that again. I don't want the plan to be Barrero. I just don't. I, I'd be perfectly fine trading him. I know he's hit well at times and like, you know, these winter leagues and whatnot. Like I've, I've just seen that movie too many times that I don't want to rely on it. Could it happen? And could he be good? Yes. I'm not saying he, he can't. I just don't want to roll the dice again. Yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm all for like if the Reds could go out and get a bona fide uh, outfielder that could fit that that replacer franchise. I'm all for that. Like um, Jorge Soler has always been at the top of my list. I think Tommy Pham makes a lot of sense for this team. As as mm-hmm. crazy as he, he is, uh, I don't know how he fits with the clubhouse, and I'm not going to pretend to. I, I trust that like Nick Crawl and uh, the front office has a pulse on that. But just from pure statistical standpoints, he actually would fit really well. Um, I think Adam Duvall, those guys kind of all fit. But I just like Jordan Luplo, uh, uh, Robbie Grossman. Uh, I just I don't see how those guys are for one for sure better than Stuart Fairchild. Let's not forget Stuart Fairchild has a career 96 weighted runs created plus. Like Fairchild may not mash lefties as well as like Grossman has, but Fairchild's not a complete liability against right-handed pitching. Like guys like like Luplo and like Grossman have been, so I I just I I'm not. I just want competition. I want competition. I mean, you see it. Competition pushes players. Right now, Stuart Fairchild's kind of chilling, thinking like, "Yeah, I got a spot on this team." Like, it's. I don't think he's chilling. Well, I mean, I I I want somebody who's potentially like like stealing it from him. Blake Dunn's competition. Jose Barrero might be his competition too. And I, I think I would be more on the route of like if Jordan Lupo, if you get him on a minor league deal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Did that, they, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I must have missed that yeah. part of it. I, I would support that. I just like if you're bringing in a, like Robbie Grossman on a major league deal, that to me it's, just doesn't make sense. It's the same idea as, well, I don't, depending on the price, like if it's $2 million and you can just DFA him at the end, like it doesn't matter. But we see it each year where these players who kind of fall through the cracks wait and don't sign and want the spring training invite without, with kind of the under the table contract, uh, Jose Iglesias with the Reds a few years ago, right? Spring training invite. Why didn't he get a deal? Like there was kind of like an under the table. We don't want to make a 40 man move yet. Bring in those guys. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Same thing with Tyler Naquin, right? Like bring in these guys who, have major league experience, let them battle it out in spring and see what happens so that we don't have to say, all right, here's a rookie, come in and let's just see what happens. Because I know last year it worked out with the rookies. That was like monumentally ridiculous that that many like rookies clicked. Like you don't have to go, go look at your favorite baseball players, like rookie stats compared to what they are. Like it's, it's usually not better. So to me, it's bringing a couple guys who just have some experience. Randall Grinchek's like the guy I would love. Like in terms of like inexpensive, if you could get him on a minor league deal, I don't think you could. If you can, amazing. I'd bring him in either way. I mean, he absolutely demolishes lefties. He can play center field. I think his power would play up now. His power has kind of disappeared. He turned into like a random singles hitter, but you put him in great American ballpark and like, you know, let him hit against lefties. Like I, I think that's a perfectly fine deal. I, I like Grichik. I wouldn't be opposed to Grichik on a major league deal. Um, I think Grichik has some some 
legitimate upside. Um, I'm, I'm still reeling with him because back in 2022, when you and I did the offseason podcast predicting the 2024 Reds, I had him on the team. So I may be trying to cash a ticket with that suggestion, but I still think it fits. I mean, it makes sense. Go look up his numbers against lefties. And, you know, those listening um, would probably be surprised. I mean, it's incredible. I don't, I don't know if you really want to pull it up or not, but I can't. I, I was shocked that he was not claimed at the 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 waiver deadline at the end of the year when the Reds got Renfro and Bader. Um and it it turned out that he he uh played the best out of all the the guys at the end of the year. Yeah, and I don't remember all of the details there. Like I think there might have been contract. I, I know he was making like 10 million. Like I know it all dwindles down, whatever, but um career against lefties uh, 267, 315, 507. Yeah, it's good. 66 yeah. home runs. I mean, OPS of 822 against lefties and a huge sample size. Um, that's 1,200 at bats. Yeah, I like he, he's, he's out a, there. Yeah, he's a, he's a bona fide, you know, as, as a bona fide. I, I got like Michael A. Taylor. I just don't see the upside offensively for a guy that's yeah. that that most of his value is defense. And like, when is he really going to crack the lineup? Like, I think TJ Friedel's proved himself at least at this point to be an everyday player or close to it. Um, so I don't know. You, I tell you what, though, folks, you better hope Fairchild doesn't have a have a big year. You better hope it. I'll be I'll be insufferable. I'm warning you now. I'm warning you now. You guys are. I can't believe how down you are on a guy that's uh has had a pretty solid major league career to this point. All right, well, I digress. Let's go back to the uh, the pitching because I think this is what a lot of people are, 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 I don't know, worried or concerned or whatever about is where do where does everything fall? Right now, I would say if the season started tomorrow and magically everyone's healthy, Fernando Cruz, is pro- Fernando Cruz or Sam Mole, one of those two would not be on the major league roster because those are the guys that have options. Um, I just, I don't see it unless Buck Farmer comes to camp at his complete ass. Like I don't see them cutting him and people can say, well, I, I can't believe you're putting a, a lesser pitcher on and sending Fernando Cruz down to triple a. I, I just, I, I'm, I don't have a problem with that because it's, it, it's stockpiling your talent. Yeah. I, I think that, that we view triple a for relievers sometimes wrong. I think a lot of big league clubs, view triple a as a place where i can put a reliever i can kind of stockpile him there i can limit his innings and i can kind of save him for later in the year the guys that have options um you, you see that a lot with the really good teams where they're you know shipping guys back and forth but again you need one injury for fernando cruz to be bumped up you need two injuries for tj or for uh, alex young to be bumped up etc etc and um I, I just I like that they're having the protection, and if it results in a really good pitcher going to AAA, that's what good organizations do. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be in a position where you're calling up the random guys. The random guys last year, by the way, are kind of in the organization, still like Buddy Kennedy, and not on this list. Um, so if that says anything, and of course, you know Ben Lively gave some really important innings to the Reds last year, and of course he got his major league deal elsewhere. So. Good for him, but I think that's probably it for like <laughs> pitching moves. Besides, just yeah, in, I thought it was training. already. <laughs> I mean, in, unless there's a trade, I don't think that they're going to sign anybody else. Yeah. Um, 
a trade is possible. I always thought like the lefty like could be an addition just because they only had, you know, Sam Mole and Alex Young, like San San Martin, like I I don't think he was like really going to be much of an option. What it is, you know, I don't think he's even going to be a possible option till yeah. like mid year. I think he's still recovering from from surgery. But um, it is interesting though the three lefties that the Reds have. Mole's the only one that is an actual dominant uh, left-handed pitcher against left-handed batters. Mm-hmm. You know, Suter last year had complete reverse splits. Like the careers bore even. Alex Young's also had reverse splits. Um, so, so Mole's the guy that that you're going to want to bring in against the absolute best left-handed batters. But a thing with Brett Suter is he can almost maybe be a guy that can bait other managers into some bad decisions, right? Like, like they they pinch hit for a really good left-handed batter with a, a lesser right-handed batter for the you know the left-right matchup. And Suter is actually you know pretty even against both, where you might be able to get some teams to make some bad decisions or, or some decisions that also help you out later in the game. Um, Suter's just a guy that that you know we saw him in Milwaukee, like they bring him in yeah. the fourth inning sometimes, right? I mean, um, he's just a guy that that's comfortable in different roles, and uh, uh, I just yeah, I, I love that that they're just stockpiling depth um, because you never. I feel like last season the Reds really were very blessed with how healthy like Diaz, Sims, Jabot, and Farmer were. Like mm-hmm. having your four top guys uh, like last year and, and Lull pretty much staying healthy most of the year, that's not really normal. And there's also a probably a price that's going to be paid potentially this year for 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 just the fact they all stayed healthy last year. I don't really think they were overused, but like most years, Lucas Sims has only pitched like 30 or 40 innings because he's had to take, you know, two months off at a time where you didn't have that last year. So now if you have a couple of those injuries, you're not, you're not having, you know, God forbid, you know, sorry, Kevin Herget and his family, you're not having them having to come up, you know, for two weeks at a time and throw 20 something innings in the first half of the season. Yeah, no, I think that you just nailed it. Like everything you just said was right on spot. It's going to be a fun spring training just to kind of, you know, see where they are. And, We'll also probably get some other clues at the beginning of spring training because there's also the possibility that we don't know about an injury or two that 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 yeah. the Reds know about that someone got hurt or you know someone at the end of last year um, you know usually if it's like surgery or something we do find out those kind of things but but there there could be some some guys that they're like you know I'm pretty confident he's not going to be ready for opening day and I'm sure that that this list that I have up I'm sure there's probably at least five maybe 10 of them that start the year on the injured list. Is that, am I off on that? That seems to be the history, right? I mean, that seems to be what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You have depth until you don't like it could really go away quick. So I don't want to be sitting up here preaching, look at all this depth. And then, you know, in April, you know, you have 10, 10 pitchers on the injured list. You're like, well, now you're okay. No one else go. (laughs) We, We don't have anyone else. We, we used it all up. So. Um, but Clay, we did have a couple other interesting news today. Um, the, uh, Reds agreed to contracts for the guys. This was the last day that they could, uh, tender contracts for the guys in arbitration. Antone, Fraley, Sims, Stevenson, and Young. They were all pretty standard with the arbitration estimates that we, uh, talked about earlier on the, the year. Uh, the interesting one, Reds did not 
um, um, tender a contract to Jonathan India. I know um, since we went live, there was a report that was it. Do you have the number? Was it India's at three point? India's at four. Reds are at three point two million. Yeah, um, I don't know the exact numbers. There was a question early on when we started the show about this. So I just wanted to explain arbitration for whatever reason today. I saw some like tweets that. Um, and I don't want this to sound rude or anything, but like people just didn't understand how the process works. The way it works is they still have like they are going to be he's going to be on the Reds unless there's a trade, of course. Like this doesn't mean he could enter free agency. It just yeah. means that the Reds said, here's how much we want to pay you. Jonathan India said, here's how much I'm worth. And now there's this awkward thing where they say, here's why we think you're worth less than you think you are. And here's why you kind of suck a little bit more than you think you do. So it's awkward. It's common. It happens in every organization. It's not some huge red flag or anything. And the numbers are always very close. Um, rarely do you see anything where an arbitration number is, you know, millions and millions above what the team thinks or whatnot. So it's usually, you know, within a million dollars that they're kind of fighting over here, which it's is kind of goofy. And, and that's why you see like the stars, like, Kyle Tucker and like Juan Soto, like they settle beforehand because it's not worth like the argument. Apparently it is for Jonathan India, but it's not a big deal. Like he, he will get a contract with the Reds from this. Well, the, the, the Reds have, have had a pretty good tradition of being one of the teams that don't go to arbitration very often. It has been rare in recent memory. Last year was one of the first times that I can remember, unless I'm missing someone Lucas Sims actually went to arbitration last year and Lucas Sims lost his arbitration yeah. case to the Reds. The Reds won. So yeah, like you said, it's either one or the other. It'll either be, it'll either be the Reds win and it's 3.2 or India wins and it's four again. This, this is, this is means nothing to the actual payroll really, because that's, that's the, the price of a, uh, that's the price of a, a league minimum player, right? It's funny to think of like the decision comes out and the Reds front office like celebrates like, yes, we got Lucas Sims for under the amount. And they're like all like celebrating and everything. It's just like a funny thought to picture. But yeah, like arbitration is just not that big of a deal. A lot of teams go through this. A lot of players do. And, you know, it's just the court decides what Jonathan India will be paid next year. Yeah. And, and I, it didn't seem like there was any long-term effects last year on Lucas Sims. Every time I yep. saw him interviewed, he seemed like he was really excited to be a part of this team and all that. So, um, And oftentimes I, it is just like a player saying, like, I'm going to try to get this much because I think I have a case. But in reality, like, you know, you can compare notes with other players. Like, a lot of times it may even be like they're just trying to get a little extra money when in reality, in the back of their mind, they may know that they're going to end up just ses settling in between. Well, and also India has a much different case than everyone else that, that went to arbitration because India won the rookie of the year. He has that concrete mm -hmm. award and, and he's had one really, really good year, like a four win season and then two kind of, you know, average seasons after that. So his case is much like like the case for um, for Jake Fraley is pretty cut forward. You've produced you were injured this much like it, it, it. There's not really a whole lot of variance to it, whereas India you know, India feels like he's worth a lot more than than not. And sure, you could say India just settled for the three point two million. I, I get that, but at the same time, like India, if he settles for three point two million, when it comes time for him for free agency, 
it's already kind of a knock on him that that he was worth less at, at that point at that concrete number and it also you you typically go on levels in arbitration year to year it can only it, go up yeah it can only go up so like like next year it could be costing him more and it could have a, a cumulative yeah. effect so it look it, i don't blame john i don't blame i don't blame the reds like this is just Part of so it. if he's at three two this year and has an average year, he may be three eight next year. If he's at three eight this year, has an average year, he may be at four two next year, right? Like that's kind of what we're trying to say is it kind of compounds up. And yeah, it it is an arbiter that that decides that. Um, I don't know if I said judge or something, but I saw judge the judge. judge arbiter. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, it it, it does kind of just stink that it's another india thing of when the guys had drama it just it is what it is i don't think it's going to have a a big impact and i i said i think on the last show i i tell you it'd be a pretty cool story if jonathan india turns out to be a a bona fide right fielder for the reds next year um i think that'd be pretty fun I, i'm not putting it past that i think he has some potential there all right yeah. um last thing probably i could spend a whole lot of time on this but uh reds did announce today this is a busy busy uh uh, Thursday, uh, some some minor league spring training invites. Um, uh, Julian Aguilar, uh, Chase Petty, Rhett Louder, Zach Maxwell, uh, Michael uh, Trotwin. If I'm saying that right, Trotwin, Tyler Cal- yeah. Tyler Callahan, Edwin Arroyo, and Blake Dunn. This doesn't include guys on the 40 man like Reese Hines and Jacob Herdeby. They're already in major league camp, correct? Um, and it does not include other players who have already been invited. Yeah, so, so that's and, not the full list. Um, I mean, these are pretty cut forward guys. Uh, maybe Edwin Arroyo and Chase Petty are, I don't know, I'm going to say a surprise, but they're kind of the lower level guys. But I mean, it's cool experience for these guys. Yeah, that's really what you see around the league is you typically have kind of um, your invites like Higgins, who's like a backup journeyman catcher for the Reds, who's in training camp. And then you have like hey, these are some prospects that we like, and we're going to give them an invite to camp. They're probably not going to stay long, but we wanted to get them that experience, get them around the players, kind of show them the ropes. Um, you know, every organization does this. So, yeah, these are some prospects that they like. And I don't know if it's fair to say it's like, oh, it's like tipping their hand or, you know, these are the guys that they like more than other guys. I don't necessarily think it is that. Um, a lot of times this is also like players who are going to be needed to be added to the 40 man sooner than later. So it's just additional work with coaches is additional looks at these players kind of hands on. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different reasons to it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let me go through, see if we can find any good questions in the chat before we wrap this up. We were going to stay on too long today. I did just want to make sure we got, got something um, up as you know, another signing here before the weekend. Uh, from Sean Connor has gotten quite a bit of uh, interesting uh, comments around Shatterbox Sports these days. Question for the host. What percentage are you putting on Noelvi Marte to make the opening day roster if he's not traded? Uh, if India's not traded. I mean, I think it's like above 90% if he's healthy. Yeah, I, I, I think he's on there too. I don't think that they... I mean, no, I'm, I'm not even going to explain it all. Like, I, I put it almost at 100. I just think it's happening. Who gets the boot from the 40 man? Is it is it finally Martini's time? I know we talked about him last time. Yeah. Maybe Casey Legamina. Um, just because it's another pitcher that you've brought in. It's I think it's one of those two. Um 
I don't. I think. I think Barrero. I think they want to keep him till the last possible second. That would be my guess. It's it's Legamina or I still think Barrero could be moved for just some random yeah. trade for some flyer prospect coming back or whatever. Like I don't think that's. It, it just feels like Jose Barrero is one of those forty man cuts that ends up being a trade for somebody. Maybe, maybe you trade him to the Athletics who don't have a shortstop and are starting Nick Allen in his 52 WRC plus stout. Maybe I, I, I would feel like they probably have more pride on that one just because he was part of the return for Castillo. Like he's going to be like kept on as long as possible. I don't uh, really like stout. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Legamine. I liked what I saw. Um, I'm just, you know, just kind of looking at, at who's available unless they're really down. Like a guy like Duarte that we don't know about. I, I'm not down on him, but. You know, they're, every team has their own internal evaluations about these guys that we just don't know. And, I, it, you know, that there might be some piece that we don't know about some of them. We're going to see 40-man moves like the Dodgers made today, which that was more than just a 40-man move, but they clear two spots off their 40-man roster by trading away. Uh, Will Benson, right, brought over from a similar move, needed to clear a spot. Like, we're going to see some of those moves in Cincinnati um, for the first time in a while. So buckle up. I'm not saying it's going to happen like this week or anything like that, but like, I would not be surprised if, you know, there's going to be some tough decisions and players get moved. Like maybe they don't want to trade or I, this is just the first name that came, comes to mind, like Reese Hines, you know, like maybe there's an opportunity where they can improve today and move Reese Hines and then Levi Stout together, whatever it may be. But um, just keep that in mind if they were to make a move think about okay what does that do to the 40 man uh before immediate reactions yeah and it just can't be like the well let's just trade jose barrero like it, it takes two to, to tango like you have to trade someone that someone wants to actually give something up for um so yeah i mean i got like that, that i like you know your point there where if 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 they feel like they can get a good return for resigns without having to to dfa someone else i just i think it's probably i i think it's probably martini um as, as, yeah, and as, I said it last time, you know, someone like that, you can get through usually. And if yeah. you can't, okay, Connor Capel, like we've we've gone over that, but it's yeah. not a huge loss. Will Blake Tun be a September call-up or could we see him earlier? Um, I mean, it just it's health. I mean, I think he's gonna be called up to replace an injured player unless he just is on I don't want to put past him. He's dominated at every level unless he just completely forces his way up. But I mean, we saw some of these numbers at AAA last year, like CES, and that didn't force him up, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's if there's an injury, if there's a spot for him, that's when you see him up. As I long still as want to see more up. though. Like it's not that I'm not sold on him being talented. It's just sample size matters. And before we DFA players and crown a rookie a spot here and Blake Dunn like I just want to see a little bit more of a sample size I mean he did go two months last year with only having less than 10 extra base hits at one point near the beginning of the season now he ended up with like 21 home runs or whatever it was so um I I I just don't want to rush there's no need to rush I know we are that way with these prospects that we're talking about in the starting lineup these are top 100 guys these are guys who have proven it year after year in the minors just need a little bit more out of Blake Dunn. It's not saying he's bad. It's just a cautious approach. 
Randy asks, uh, do you guys believe Barrero shouldn't have the pressure to be the guy anymore? That's entirely possibly comes up to the big leagues and just kill it. I'm not putting anything past Barrero. I mean, this guy was a top 25 prospect in baseball. Um, I don't feel like he's had so many chances that there's no possibility that he ever recovers from his, his lack of success so far, but I'm also not going to bank on it. And I saw another question. Why not trade him now? Well, what, what, what are you getting back for him right now? Um, why not have him go to camp? You don't have to make a move now. Um, we know he's out of options. So we know you can't send him to AAA to start the year, but you have him go to camp. You see what he looks like in camp. And what if you have a couple injuries? Okay, you might need Jose Barrero, and you yep. have some really good insurance. Also, what if Jose Barrero comes to camp, has a really good spring, looks really great? He might have increased his value, and you can make an actual trade for him. You actually get something back. I just don't think there's any need to rush um, a, a trade for Jose Barrero for a um, pennies on the dollar return. Um, you, you just you've Right now, like Nick Martini right now. Yeah, if there's no one left, then yeah. There's players on the market that other teams are going to want to take flyers on, like Adalberto Mondesi, who's been injured forever, but like talented. Like if you're a team that needs a filler shortstop on a rebuilding team, like until he's gone, you don't circle around to Jose Barrera. Like you go through the free agent options first before you start wheeling and dealing. What players have we not talked about enough this offseason? I feel like Jake Fraley's kind of gone under the radar. Um, I still think Jake Fraley is the Reds' best hitter against right-handed pitching, which we know that's 70% of the pitchers in baseball. Um, I, I just think he, had, you know, unfortunately, and it, it's a track record at this point where he gets hurt, um, where, where you can't necessarily count on him. Um, but man, if, 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 and it's a big, if he stays healthy, he's the Reds best hitter against right-handed pitching. So, um, I, 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 I'm really excited about, about him and, and hopefully his ability to stay healthy for me, it's Tyler Stevenson. I know everyone knows I can't give up on him, but I just think it's a little bit too much of an overcorrection of he was really good before his injury. Then he got injured. I mean, he was incredible at the plate before his injury in 2022. 2023 wasn't healthy. We did the same thing with Gino. Remember his shoulder injury? And we said, oh, he's cooked, he's bad. Then he came back and was better. Like, I want to see a full, healthy offseason from Tyler Stevenson. I want to see what it looks like. Finding catchers is extremely difficult. Good offensive catchers, like, we can talk about his defense, but I, I don't think it's impossible that he has a bounce back close to 100 WRC plus. Like now what he does defensively can improve too. I was doing an article on Jake Rogers who plays for the Tigers today and looking through all of these catching metrics. You'd be amazed how many good defensive catchers sucked at framing, sucked at blocking the first year or two years of their career. These things take time and that's why you see catching prospects develop at a slower rate and you see more 25, 26 year old rookies is it's hard. It's really freaking hard. So Tyler Stevenson's guy who I want to at least like just say, don't forget about him. It's totally possible. Yeah, I, I like it. I don't want to go too far into this question because next week, one of my ideas for a show is to do an over under on all of the zips projections. So then you'll kind of get a lot more on my, my sense of, are we overrating or underrating certain players? And I have some, some answers. So I want to, I'm going to save a little bit of that. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. Cause I think I told Clay 20 minutes and it's 50 minutes. 
I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's probably pretty good, right? I mean, you, you probably add 30, right? To I I never shut up with these. Like, I, I did not need to talk about Prince Suter as long as I did or whatever. I, I just get too excited and just get on a roll. And next thing you know, it's 50 minutes and... We talked yeah. about Suter for like five. That's what happens. The Reds signed someone. If they signed Frankie Montas, we talked about him for five minutes <laughs> and we're done. And then we just like start talking about, you yeah. know, other random red stuff. But that's, that's what happens when you're, uh, you know, you love a team. Well, 177 people watching this dumb stream on a Thursday night at almost 11 o'clock. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week. Like I said, I want to do a zips over under. Um, I think the Reds are done making moves, but I said that last time. So I don't know if they do like we always do. We try to hop on, give you some, uh, instant reaction to it. Um, again, appreciate everyone. Um, I challenged, uh, on yesterday's podcast, um, or stream podcast, whatever, go on Apple podcast and give us a five-star review. We haven't got a lot of those in a while. Want to really grow the podcast um, for the 2024 season. Um, we'll be doing audio-only exclusive podcast every morning in spring training. So usually we did last year, I think we did like 10, 15 minutes. Um, try to keep a little bit more condensed. But, you know, those of you who, you know, have a life, uh, you can get all your Reds info each day in like 10, 15 minutes. So five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Really would appreciate that. Like the stream on your way out. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up. Any final thoughts, Clay? Go Reds. Go Reds. Have a good one, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your support. If you had not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, what are you waiting for? Do it right now. During spring training and the regular season, we are the only Reds podcast to have new episodes after every single game. And we will have plenty of off-season coverage between now and then, so be sure to stay tuned. Also, make sure that you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so that you can join us for live episodes of Chatterbox Reds. Hit the bell and turn on notifications so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about all of the other great content at Chatterbox Sports. First off, there's our flagship show, Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, from 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday on YouTube, of course, on Chatterbox Sports. Off the Bench is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Great podcast listen uh, for your drive home, as it's usually posted uh, by 1 or 2 in the afternoon every day. Then there's Chatterbox Bengals. They go live after every single Bengals game. Similar fashion to what we do at Chatterbox Reds. Those guys are doing a great job covering the Bengals this season. Speaking of the Bengals, there is Chatterbox Clicker with Coach Kyle Kasky, former Bengals coach. That is every Tuesday night. Coach Kasky breaks down film from the latest Bengals game in a very innovative show on Chatterbox Sports that you do not want to miss. And if that's not enough to fill your NFL fix... There's Mac and JT. That is Wednesday nights on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Uh, that is all things NFL. They go through each and every game. And then our newest show, Chatterbox Bearcats. That is with host Charlie Walter, formerly of Reds Live. Covers all things UC sports 
they are going live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. So that's, on course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Chatterbox Bearcats is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Links to all those shows are in the episode notes today, so be sure to check them out. Give those guys the support that they deserve. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.